The Stone and Tile Show is proud to be sponsored by the National Tile Contractors Association. The NTCA is a leading trade association in the tile and stone industry dedicated to professional installation of ceramic tile and natural stone. With more than 1,500 members representing thousands of installers, NTCA works hard to be a strong voice for proper installation and qualified labor. The association invests in a professional staff to provide technical support and assistance and offers free educational seminars and regional training opportunities around the country. To learn more about what the NTCA can offer for you or your business, go to the website www.tile-assn.com. That's www.tile-assn.com. Good evening, folks, and welcome to the first show of 2021. I'm your host, Fred Houston, and uh, let's hope 2021 is going to be better for uh, a lot of us than it was in uh, uh, 2020. So uh, I'm looking forward to it, so we'll just have to hold on to our hats and wait and see. You know, this past week, right after New Year's Day, I started getting a bunch of emails, and I thought what might be a, a good show and an interesting show would be to go over some of these emails. And not not only the most common emails that everyone's heard me talk about on the show before, but some of the unique things. And, you know, this is what I really love about the stone and tile business. I've been in this industry now for uh, close to 40 years now. And uh, every day, I mean, almost every day there's something new or there's a problem that's come up. As a matter of fact, an hour or two before the show, someone called me with a with a unique problem, uh, which I haven't quite resolved yet. And if I have time, I'll, I'll tell you what that is. But a couple of other things uh, have really come up and things that I have really uh, kind of, wow, that's that's interesting or wow, I know. Uh, I've never seen that before or, and, uh, you know, and you guys know me that for those of you that do know me, if there's a problem out there and no one else can solve it, I'm sure as heck going to put my stone detective hat on and and try that. All right. So uh, before I get started with some of these emails, let me give the phone number of my email out. If someone has a problem, they want to, uh, want to call during the live show here. Of course, if you're listening on the podcast, uh, send me an email later on and perhaps we'll include that in a future future show show the call-in number again is if you're listening live is 323-870-3968 that's 323-870-3968 my email address is f houston and it's going to be spelled a little weird f h u e s t o n at gmail.com that's f houston F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. You can also log on to my uh, my consulting and training website, which is stoneforensics.com. Or I have a brand new website that I just launched uh, called Dr. Fred's Innovative Solutions. And I'm not going to uh, uh, promote that too much on this show because I want to make sure that, uh, you know, my, my thing has always been, you know, useful information without trying to sell you anything. But if you want to check out some of the products I've developed there, again, it's Dr. Fred's innovative solutions, uh, dot, dot com. All right. So let me get started. This first one, I, I have not personally have experienced this problem, but I actually have a, a good friend of mine who had a similar problem. And let me just kind of read the email to you. And of course, I'm not going to mention anybody's names or whatever. And the email goes, we applied a poultice with acetone and DE. And for those of you that don't know what DE is, that stands for diatomaceous earth. It's a poultice powder that we use in the industry. 
So they applied that this morning on a job and just got this email. And the question is, do you have any information on this ever happening? So I'm not going to read the email that came from the customer because it was very short. It basically said, you came in, you applied a poultice on our countertop, and it caught on fire. And I've applied, I don't know, a million poultices using acetone and other flammable products. And uh, I've never had that happen. So it's, it's kind of unusual. But let me explain that acetone is a very flammable product. I can't remember what the what the, what the uh, uh, flaming point is for it, but it's a very, very, uh, you know, you don't want to be smoking around. You don't want to have any sparks nearby. So I so imagine what may have happened here is a spark occurred. Uh, could have been a short in the electrical outlet, turning on the oven, or a spark nearby. Because these acetone fumes, or any of these solvents that are out there, they can ignite, and it can be extremely, extremely dangerous. So uh, I had a friend of mine years ago who was uh, stripping a Mexican tile floor. At least I think it was a Mexican tile floor. It had epoxy on it, and he needed some pretty, pretty nasty chemicals. And uh, his guys were, you know, cleaning it up, and they were using some rags. And uh, overnight, his van caught on fire. The inside of the van caught on fire because they had the rags sticking in a bucket, and that bucket was in the in the van. And uh, that that, in case you're interested, is known as spontaneous combustion. It happens a lot with solvents. Uh, there's one solvent in particular where, well, I don't know if it's a, you would call it a solvent, but one product that we use in our industry uh, is linseed oil. Linseed oil spontaneously combusts. As a matter of fact, years ago, I remember a story of uh, some firemen in, I believe it was Philadelphia, that ended up uh, dying because they were fighting a fire where it was started by someone throwing rags of linseed oil uh, soaked in linseed oil in a corner or, or something. So you want to be really, really careful. Uh, and, you know, not to get on my preaching bench at all here, but again, that's the reason why you want safety data sheets, you know, just putting them on your truck, putting them in your shop, carrying them with you. Uh, that That's fine and dandy. Uh, but read the darn things, you know, read what the precautions are on there. Look at how flammable they are. Look at how dangerous they are for, for the environment. You know, you don't want to uh, maybe rinse some of them out in the sink for, for whatever reason. So, you know, that's what the safety data sheet is all about. So, okay, I'm off my preacher box right now, and uh, let's move on to the to the next question. The next email I got uh, some time ago here, uh, probably within the last you know, week or not, is I have a potential terrazzo, terrazzo project pending a demo and need a little guidance. I do have experience with terrazzo polishing, but there's an unknown coating that was applied after the Harvey hurricane and a scratch pattern on the floor. They have no idea it was placed on the floor, but they stated it yellowed over over time. Okay, so this was a question that didn't really have a direct answer because anytime you come across a coating on a floor, a countertop, a wall, no, regardless, uh, it could be anything. It could be a water-based acrylic. It could be an epoxy. It could be a urethane. So the, the question, you know, I would ask uh, if I was this person is that what chemicals or how can I test to see what type of coating it is? Well, there's basically two chemicals that I that I use that I test with. The first one being just a, a, a typical alkaline floor stripper. You know, go to any janitorial supply house. You can even pick these up in places like Sam's Club or Costco, BJ's or, or wherever. And you just pick up a, a, an acrylic floor stripper. If it's a common water-based acrylic, you know, which they use in grocery stores, department stores, you know, whatever. 
it will remove it. So you take a little bit of this stripper, you place it on an area, you let it sit for a minute or two, you agitate it, and if it comes off, problem solved. You know it's probably a water-based acrylic. However, if it doesn't react, the second chemical that I carry with me is a varnish stripper. And you can go into Home Depot, Lowe's, or your local hardware store, and you can pick up what is called a varnish stripper. And it's basically, uh, you know, it's either methylene chloride or some similar solvent, which is going to dissolve any epoxies or urethanes that are on the floor. So basically, you want to take a little bit of that. You want to let that set. And you may want to let that set a little bit longer than a minute or two. Let it sit for a good five minutes. And then agitate it with a, with a, with a bristle brush and see if it's removed or see if it's affected it at all. Uh, if it has, then you know you're dealing with an epoxy or a polyurethane, which is, you know, which is extremely important. I mean, others have told me, well, you know, Fred, I just want to grind it off. And, you know, uh, unless the coating is on there super, super thin, I find grinding it off is really not a good option because it tends to clog your diamonds up pretty quickly, uh, especially some of the acrylics, which get really, really gummy when you start adding uh, water to it. So, uh you can try it. It might be on there very thin. I mean, you could try going in there and grinding it off with some pretty heavy, aggressive, aggressive diamonds, but uh, I, I wouldn't. I would basically chemically strip it first and then go ahead and proceed to treat the terrazzo just like you would any, any others. The third uh, issue, and I, I didn't print out, and I'm reading my printouts here. I didn't print out the, uh, the actual email, but... Um, Basically, what it was, this individual was having issues with hairline fractures and glass tile in a shower. And, you know, this is something I'm seeing a lot of lately. And let's make some assumptions, okay? Let's take case A, where the assumptions are everything was done properly by the installer. In other words, he, you know, used the right setting material. He provided, you know, the right expansion joints where they're needed. You know, he, he used uh, uh, soft joints in the corners, you know, the whole, whole nine yards, right? But you still got tiles that are cracking and they're, they're hairline cracks. Well, glass is very, very fragile and it's very prone to movement of any kind. And I, I recently inspected a, a condominium that had, that had this issue. And the issue was that the building was a brand spanking new building and it started to settle. And what had happened is when it settled, okay, of course, everything in there is settling. And, and it, this could, this, I mean, when I'm talking settlement, I'm not talking this thing moving inches or fractions of an inches. I'm talking, you know, micromillimeters is all it takes to put enough stress on the glass in order for it, in order for it to crack. And I discovered that when I walked outside on the outside of the building, uh, I wanted to look at the, the exterior to see if there was any uh, signs of settling. And sure enough, you could see some cracks that were occurring on the building. So in that case, now, there are other reasons for, uh, you know, fractured glass. One of the things that, that is unique to glass or a unique failure to glass, glass tile that you don't find too much of granite or marble or other stone or ceramic or porcelain tile is that, Setting mortar, and we, we had a whole show on this, and I'm not going to go over it again, but briefly I'm going to say setting mortar, you know, your typical thin sets, what are they made of? They're made of Portland cement. When Portland cement cures, it has a tendency to shrink ever so slightly. And when I'm saying shrink, I mean, it's, it, it possibly can be, you know, an immeasurable amount. You, you won't see it visually if you, you were to watch it, but they can shrink. And if that setting mortar adheres 
100% or close to 100% to that back of the tile, and it starts to shrink. I've seen cases where the tile has actually started to develop hairline cracks and cracked entirely simply from the thin set actually shrinking as it's installed. So that's one thing you need to look at. And of course, there are a slew of other other issues as far as cracking goes, you know, uh, using not the proper thin set material, uh, not providing, you know, proper movement joints, you know, and, and the list goes on and on and on. And I, I don't want to discuss them here, but I, I kind of wanted to uh, give you that those those two issues, which are often overlooked, and that is settling as well as the uh, wrong thin set material being used. Uh, in other words, cracking due to, to shrinking. All right, the phone number, if you want to chime in here with a question or a comment, is 323-870-3968. That's 323-870-3968. And tonight's topic is just about anything from uh, you know installation to restoration to maintenance to fabrication. If you've got a concern or a question, feel free to call in. All right, the next uh, email um, is kind of interesting. I'm going to give you a really cool uh, YouTube uh, video to watch on this as well. Uh, here's what the email says. The tiles in my ground floor unit suddenly popped up from a concrete slab. I'm trying to figure out the cause of it. Both the insurance company and the homeowners association have denied my request for compensation. I don't want to put a new floor down until I know what may have caused this. And First of all, let me direct you to the uh, YouTube video. I, I don't have the link here, but if you, you either email me, uh, send me an email, fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com, or go to YouTube and uh, type in floor popping or tiles popping. And there's some videos out there that actually show tiles that have tented and have actually popping. One video sounded like a shotgun was going off and you hear this lady scream and the floor is literally just popping as if someone's under the under the tile pushing it up with a broomstick it's 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 rather dramatic to to, to say the least but anyway what causes this and I've, i've talked about this before but this is generally caused from lack of expansion and lack of perimeter joints so this is something you know as you installers want to make sure that you follow the ntca guidelines or dcna guidelines i always get those acronyms confused sorry uh Follow those guidelines. I mean, they they require, you know, expansion joints and perimeter joints uh, throughout the installation, depending on, you know, the size of the, the room, et cetera, et cetera. But you want to follow those guidelines because I've, I've seen this. Actually, you know, it's been a while since I've seen one of these, but lately it's been, you know, like one after another after another, such as in this email here. Now, obviously, I didn't see this one in person because it was an email, but I've heard of this happening uh, a lot, and it's generally some you know handyman or uh, uneducated installer that goes in and just slaps a tile down and butts it right up against the wall and provides no no room for that that particular installation to expand and contract. So uh, next one is uh, I'll read it to you, but there's some visual stuff in here too. And since we're not doing this via YouTube video yet, anyway, uh, attached are photos of the black granite countertop we talked about earlier. The stone is about eight years old. The installer instructed the customer to use Windex and vinegar, oh, that's nice, uh, into a clean surface, which is what she had been using. Many of the pictures show container marks, which will not come off with an alkaline cleaner. The last two photos show the underneath of the island section, and it says, look forward to your thoughts, and do you have any idea here? Yes, 
This is typical. I've talked about this many, many times. Uh, it's been around for years, and uh, you guys may want to uh, uh, may have heard this. You may have not heard it, uh, but if you've been in the industry long enough, you probably have heard this. And that is, this especially happens with a lot of black granites: is they dye them. They actually inject uh, dyes of all kinds into the uh, uh, the material, and they'll take a gray granite and make it look like a black absolute or a, a deep, deep black granite and sell it as a premium granite. So, you know, based on what the photos were here, that's exactly what it looked like. It looked like it was a dye, and it was slowly coming out. Now, there are all kinds of dyes out there, all different kinds of dyes, some really crude dyes uh, that I've seen used in, like, India and China, where they're making dyes out of, out of are you ready for this, <clears throat> out of urine? Uh, charcoal, etc. And then again, you have the sophisticated dyes that are used with some of the solvents uh, or whatever. So um, that can be that can be a real issue. This next one I got was it's kind of interesting, and I have never heard of this before. At least I think I haven't heard of this before, and I'm not sure. I mean, I have some possible solutions, and I, I told this individual. Uh, to do some things, which I'm going to tell you now. But uh, let me tell you what the question is, and then, or what the problem is, and then I'll uh, we'll take a quick break, and I'll tell you what my response to this was. And here's what happened: fabricator was cutting a piece of quartzite, and this was true quartzite, not the quartzite that's being sold as marble. Although for this problem, it really doesn't matter. And he cut it, and noticed that what he thought was moisture wicking into the area where he cut it. So he took a hair dryer to it to kind of dry it out. It wouldn't dry out. They let it set for over a week. It still wouldn't dry out. And this is when the fabricator called me and said, Fred, do you know what this could be? We don't think it's moisture. Uh, what do you think the problem can be with this with this staining on the edge where, where we cut it? So I'm going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'll tell you what my answer is there. I'll be right back. Are you looking for quality greenstone working products? ESP sells many lines of fine quality, environmentally safe products. Stone Pro, MB Stone Care, Bondstone and Touchstone Adhesives, more Stone Care products, Easy Care products, and Better Bio, which is over 80% bio-based and approved by the USDA. For more info, visit ESPSales.net. That's ESPSales.net. Alrighty, folks. So we're back now. Let me explain the problem one more time. This is when they were cutting a piece of quartzite on there. They were actually using a one of those portable saws. It wasn't a big bridge saw, and um, which is a clue, by the way. Uh, they got a stain along the cut line, and they don't think it's moisture. So, what could be the cause of this? And there's there's several possibilities here. The first thing I told this individual to do was to go get a moisture meter if they already don't have one and make sure, in fact, it is not moisture. I have seen moisture take a very, very long time. It's rare in this situation where you're, you're cutting the stone, but uh, it, it can happen. I mean, if this particular quartzite had any kind of a treatment done to it, especially some of these new treatments that are coming out of the factory that are sealing of the top, if it had been resined, what can happen when you're cutting that 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 uh, that that material is now you open it up and now moisture can get in there and when it does it can take a very long time for it to, to go out so that's possibility number one possibility number two and I have I have had this happen 
uh, I, well, I should say have seen this happen. And that is this guy was using a, a portable saw, one of those rail saws. I won't mention a name because there's several of them out there. But a lot of these saws actually have oil in them, you know, in, in their motor or their gears or wherever the oil is. And I've seen these where the oil has actually leaked. So my guess was, or my, uh, one of my responses was to this individual is, you know, go check the saw and make sure it's not dripping any oil. The third, and this is probably a strong poss- possibility, and I actually did a whole show on, on resining, is that a lot of times these materials are resin. If the resin was not cured properly and was done wrong, just the heat of the blade going across and cutting that can actually re-emulsify a very weak uh, uncured resin and cause it to bleed into the stone, similar to you know what what a poor caulk does in a in a joint in a countertop where it actually bleeds into the stone. Uh, that could be a very possibility. So we don't know the answer to this problem as of yet, and I'm waiting on a on a call back from this individual uh, to see what he found out with the moisture or, or what it, whatever. So on to the next question, and this is interesting. And I, I've gotten I've gotten this question a few times, and this is where uh, a contractor had a, had a customer that came in and they said they have burn marks on the stove. Someone took a, a hot plate or you know a, a plate off the off the stove, placed it on a countertop, and it left a, a mark where the uh, where the pot was. Well, first of all, it's not a burn mark. Okay, uh, marble. And if this were granite, it would even be higher. But marble melts at about 2,400 degrees Fahrenheit. The hottest your stove is going to get is probably going to be somewhere around thir- um, about half that, about 12, uh, maybe 1,300 degrees Fahrenheit, at least from all the research I've done. Uh, it, it can get pretty darn hot, uh, but not hot enough to melt uh, the surface. So what's probably happening here is that the pot that is hot has melted what was ever on the back of the pot, including metal, uh, can have those leave those marks, the coating that they put on the pot or pan, depending on the, the type of pan it is, and it'll actually leave a, a, a stain uh, where it was sitting. Now, the first thing I suggested they do in this case is, you know, try to clean it up first. You know, take some acetone and a rag and see how much of it will come up. Scrape it with a with a razor blade and see what happens. If that doesn't work, then you're going to need to poultice it. You know, what do you poultice it with? Well, it's going to depend on the type of stain it is. And, you know, this is where I would probably do some minor uh, poultices, you know, put a poultice about the size of a dime of uh, maybe peroxide or a stripper and uh, maybe uh, one with uh, iron out in it or something. And you just put three little dots there, let that sit for 24 hours. You know, follow the typical poultice uh, question, uh, line of uh, instructions and uh, see which one works. And if they work, if the one that works is the one that you're going to use. All right. Uh, the next one. I got a bunch of them here, folks. We may go on for hours. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to go through every one I, I get all the time. But this was kind of interesting. And I got this call today, and this is kind of what inspired me to look through my old emails and current emails to see what kind of unique problems we run into other than the, the classics. Um, and that is this person was polishing, uh, honing and polishing a, a marble countertop. And when they got to the polishing phase, they get what was called these little bubbles that occurred on it. And they sent me a photograph of these, these, these bubbles. Now, at first, I thought it was orange peel. 
and you know, this contractor that I'm talking to has been in the business, you know, 20 years and uh, I'm sure they know what orange peel was, but they, they said, no, it's, 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 it's not orange peel. You know, we've done thousands of these and, you know, this type of white marble, we've never had, never had this, this particular, uh, particular problem. So it, it was a new one for me. I mean, if it wasn't orange peel, what are these little, you know, these little bubbles on these, these little dots. And I got thinking and I recently ran into several projects. Well, actually recently as last week. And then I had another one similar to this a few months ago. And that is, there's a process coming out of Italy, and I don't want to mention names, but it's a process that they're doing to slabs, especially. I'm not sure if they're doing it to floor tiles yet, but it's a it's a sealing process. Uh, but it's not your typical impregnators that we use in the shop and in the field all the time. It's it's a it's a process where this particular polymer, whatever it is they're using, is baked on and into the stone. So it, it looks great. I mean, it's really great. Uh, it, it's you know. Very stain resistant. Um, you could t- uh, uh, I, I'm not sure about etching because it can etch as well. Uh, but uh, I'm not sure. I'd have to look it up and see whether they claim it's an anti-etch product or not. I think they might. Uh, but any, if anybody's interested in what that product is, send me an email and I'll do it privately. I just don't want to do it uh, in the public arena here. Uh, but anyway, I've seen all kinds of issues with this particular process, especially when it comes to refinishing it because it is hard. I mean, it's extremely hard. It doesn't come off very easily. Uh, and I've seen issues that if it's, you know, again, we're, we're introducing a man-made process to a natural product and things can go wrong. And I've seen the product that maybe it didn't cure properly, uh, did some really weird things like, you know, blotchy type uh, dull areas and then shiny areas. I've seen that with this particular product. So, uh, you know, if anyone's interested in what that product name is, drop me an email. Again, I'll get my email out, F-Houston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. Also, if you're listening in live here, if you want to call in with a comment or a question, it's 323-870-3968, 323-870-3968. I know most of you listen to this as a podcast, but if you listen to it live, you have the opportunity to call in and, and ask a question. Okay, my next uh, email, and I get quite a few of these. And actually, I got two of these today. This is one of them. And it says, I have a client who's inquiring about applying an anti-etch film on a red marble countertop in a kitchen. She's not worried about cost. (laughs) That's rare. Uh, Here are the exact words. And it says, hi, person's name. I have a client that pays to have her kitchen countertop polished and sealed every few months. She is pleased with the person she uses, but she wants to try something else she heard of with a better warranty. She said it's a commercial grade. Is there a commercial grade coating that goes on the top of the counter? And have you heard of this? And of course, I've interviewed everybody uh, on this topic from the uh, chemical uh, applications and coatings that go on the surface, uh, like more, uh, et cetera. And as well as Toughskin, who happens to be one of our, uh, our sponsors of the show. So, uh, you know, she's asking for a film. Uh, I would recommend the Tough Skin product in this case because that's what she's asking for specifically. Uh, it's easy to apply, but all of these coatings uh, and these films do require that you be trained properly in how to apply them. So I would highly recommend uh, that you uh, that you get the pro- proper training. If you want to go back and listen to my past shows and go back into the website, it was uh, probably a year or so ago, so you might want to take a look at that. And with that said, let me take a quick break here and uh, give you a little bit more information on the Tough Skin product. 
Thank you, Tough Skin, one of our gold sponsors. Marble etches and stains, Tough Skin guarantees it will not. Tough Skin provides a unique product and installation service anywhere in the USA with a proprietary stone laminate products. They protect marble countertops with an acid, oil, and waterproof guarantee. That's right, it's now possible to install marble, onyx, and travertine countertops without the worry of etching and staining from common household items like wine, lemon, coffee, or other acidic foods. People have been trying to figure this out for thousands of years, and Tough Skin Surface Protection has done it. Available in gloss and satin to match the countertop finish. Visit them online at toughskinprotection.com. That's T-U-F-F skinprotection.com to learn more. Alrighty, folks, so there's some information on the Tough Skin product. Um, okay, my next email, and this this I've seen throughout my career, and it's still an issue that, that I see a lot with uh, fabricators and, and restoration contractors, and the email was, hey, pros, uh, can someone direct me to an article that explains the expectations and tolerance of etching and staining on natural stone even after sealing? I have a difficult customer with limestone throughout the new house I just built. We pre-sealed before installation and then again after installation with, and I won't mention a product, his wife dripped olive oil on the kitchen floor, which left stains, and now he's accusing us of not sealing it. Any help would be great. Well, I responded to this email by saying, I can send you an article that I did on, on this particular topic, which explains you know, how impregnators work, what they will do, and what they won't do. And uh, if anyone else wants a copy of that article, it's, it's on my blog site, uh, on my website, stoneforensics.com. But if you want me to email you a copy, I'd be more than happy to do that. Just send me an email. F Houston, F H U E S T O N at gmail.com and be more than happy to, uh, to, to print, have you print out a copy. This particular article was published. Um, actually, I think it was published in stone world magazine years ago. Cause I wrote it years ago, but it's still applicable today. And I also think we, uh, did a rewrite of it, uh, pretty much the same article, um, done in a slippery rock gazette as well. But anyway, regardless, it's, something you can hand to your customer and say this is why you're getting staining and generally you know as well as i do these impregnators these sealers whatever you want to call them are not you know they're not bulletproof and i don't mean the product bulletproof but they're they're not bulletproof they're um, they're they're uh, you know they're designed to buy you time they're not designed to make i what i should say probably is that they're not they don't provide stain proofing for the stone they provide stain resistance uh, for the stone so that's something you really need to explain to your customers uh, when you're sealing a, a, a countertop or a floor for that matter or, or anything else that uh, this is only going to buy you time it's not going to make the stone stain proof even though some of the companies out there will say they'll guarantee their, their impregnators and whatever for 10 years, 15 years, lifetime, or, or whatever. Uh, my recommendation would there would be read the fine print because the fine print is everything. And you all know that when it comes to purchasing warranties. Okay, uh, next question. I spoke this afternoon regarding our quartzite etching issue on our countertop, which we now know is marble. Uh, can you please forward the article? I had talked to him on the phone and I told him to send me an email and I'd send him an article. I also did a show on this. Uh, and basically we're running into a lot of uh, materials that are being sold 
uh, by distributors and, and fabricators as quartzite when they're actually not quartzite at all. They're marble. And this is a real typical of one particular uh, material coming out of Brazil. It's called super white and it's called by a dozen other names as well. But they're really not quartzites. True quartzites will not etch their quartz. If you know anything about geology, quartzite is quartz. It will not etch. Quartz is a mineral. It will not etch. So if it's etching, in this particular case, this wasn't only etching, but it was also scratching. Now, there's your two clues right there that this isn't a true quartzite. So you're going to run into this all the time. And for those of you that ask, how would you, how would you fix this problem? Well, you would treat it just like marble. So hone, polish it, uh, you know, put a product on it like tough skin or something like that, and uh, it won't etch anymore. So there you go. All right. Uh, this is a, a kind of a long one, but I'll read it to you anyway because it's, it's kind of interesting. I have another granite countertop which has glass rings on the surface along with tiny splatter marks which look like surface etching. I have restored this countertop several months ago, deep cleaned it, polished it with a crystallizer, sealed it with a solvent-based sealer. Three months later, the customer called and asked me to go over and take a look. And I won't read the rest of it. It goes on and on and on and on. But the, the purpose of this email, the thing I wanted to make you aware of is that uh, you know, first of all, customers aren't going to tell you everything. Uh, they, they're going to lie to you. But there is something where, you know, we, we've often said, and if you've attended any of my seminars and you've, you know, uh, read any of my articles or listened to me on this podcast, you know, what we know, you know, geologically, granite is, you know, what, 60 some percent quartz as well as some other, other minerals, very little calcium, if any calcium at all, and typically will not etch or scratch, right? But and this is a big but, there is an issue, and I did an article on this. I'd be happy to send anybody, or you can go to my blog site to read it, or my website, stoneforensics.com, is you can get something known as an alkali etch. And what is an alkali etch? For those of you that have dishwashers, and you've placed the, your, those glasses in a, in a dishwasher, and you take them out, and they have that white hard film on the outside of the glasses, that's an alkali etch. That comes from the detergent that, you, that you're using. And, and by the way, to solve that problem, just soak those glasses in some vinegar for a while and it, it'll get rid of it. But uh, it can also happen on granite. You can get an etch from alkali materials. Now, it's not your typical acid etch that you would get on marble, but what it's doing, it's basically leaving minerals behind either on the surface of the stone or within the top layer or the pores pores of the stone. So, you know, you could take water that you're using. If you live in an area that has very hard water with a lot of minerals, just simply wiping the countertop down can cause this alkaline etching. And uh, it may, it may be what's happening in, in this situation. Obviously I would need a lot more information uh, from this individual to know exactly what's uh, exactly what's going on. But I wanted to make you aware that that is a problem. You know, alkaline etching can etch. Now, it won't be, uh, you know, as, as I mentioned, like an acid etch where it actually, you know, you can run your finger across and then feel it if it's really rough. But uh, if you see something on granite that looks like etching, you want to, A, first make sure it is granite or, or quartzite or true quartzite in this case. And uh, and then, okay, how do, how do you cure it? Uh, you know, basically, I would, uh, I would apply a, an acid poultice to it, uh, you know, vinegar, sulfamic acid, something like that, dissolve the salts down, and you may need to polish it after that as well. So, all right, my next, uh, first of all, let me give the phone number out here again, 323-870-3968, and that phone number is good for now 
live if you're listening here, 6 p.m. on Wednesday. It's 323-870-3968. Don't call that uh, if you're listening to the podcast portion of this because it won't it won't go through this number. It's only active uh, during during the live live show. Um, here's a, a question that that's come up a couple of different times, and uh, I've got some really great tips on this for you guys at uh, the Polish Stone. And that is, I have a question for uh, retarding the use of metal lippage tools. And I think he made a typo there. I only have a few of these in inventory. I was wondering if I could mix a 50 grit metal bond lippage with a 50 grit resin bond di- diamond. And would the results come out uneven? And this is a trick that I've I've done over over the years. And uh, I've actually discussed this in, the, in in my seminars. Oh, and by the way, I am going to be offering an advanced uh, stone refinishing uh, and stone troubleshooting uh, seminar this uh, this summer. So if anybody's interested in that, please get in contact with me because with this COVID thing, we're still social distancing. So I'm taking very few people for that class. So uh, again, send me an email if you're interested in advanced stone restoration. Uh, my email again is fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. All right. So back to this issue. Can you mix your diamonds? And the question to that, or the answer to that is yes. Yes, you can. As as a matter of fact, let's take an example. Let's say you're refinishing a, a, a stone countertop or a floor. It doesn't matter. And you're starting out with a 60 grit. And then uh, let's say you're using six diamonds on the bottom of your machine. And uh, then you go to put your, uh, your uh, 120 grits on there and you, you only have five diamonds, but you want six. What can you do? Put the 220 in place of that six diamonds. So you'd have five 120s under there and one 220. The 120 and 220 are so close in grit size that it really, it really, really doesn't matter. Now, I've also have taken some floors where I've taken a 120, combined a 120 with a 400 even. And my recommendation, and all, as you guys know that do this for a living, you know, all stones going to react differently. The same stone can react differently in homeowner A and act totally differently in homeowner B, and it's the same exact stuff. So we, we know how that works. You don't need a lecture there. So experiment. You know, don't be afraid to experiment. What's the worst thing that can happen? You know, it won't work. You know, so, uh, so try it. But that's a good little trick. Try that trick sometimes. You know, try mixing your diamonds and see what kind of re- – uh, see what kind of results results you get. Okay, let's. I've got a bunch of these, and we don't have time to go over uh, go over all of them. But um, this next one is kind of an interesting one too, and that is, um, I use diamonds. I use diamond sponges and monkey pads all the way to twelve thousand grit. And while it's very good shine, it does not match the shine of a on a part of floor that I have not done. I don't want to crystallize it if I can avoid. It. I was wondering what manufacturer of powder polishing do you recommend? Well. I'm really not going to give out, uh, you know, names here. If you want a name of a powder polish, you know, I answered this person with a couple of different names. You know, give me a call. But the reason I want to answer this and uh, online or not directly answer it, but kind of give you an idea, is a lot of the polishing powders from Marvel, especially, are similar. Uh, they're oxalic acid and they're uh, usually tin oxide with, you know, the 5X might have some shellac in it. Uh, but they're all similar, meaning that they have the same ingredients. However, they're all, they can all be different based on the percentage of those ingredients. So we've gone over this before, I know, on the show, and that is you have hot powders, which means they have a very high percentage of oxalic acid, and you have cold powders, which means they're more abrasive than there is oxalic acid in there. So 
you know, you need to, you know, obviously buy the, the packaged powders, but you can sometimes boost them with a little bit of oxalic acid. Uh, although you have to be careful because, as you guys know, that have any kind of experience in this at all, that oxalic acid will and can uh, give you an orange peel effect. So, so folks, that, that's primarily some of the emails I wanted to go over in, in this slot here. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this year, 2020. We're going to be offering some uh, some different seminars. I'm also putting together and have put together, which are, are still available, some what we call e-learning. Uh, seminars that that you can purchase, and if you you want to look at those and look at what we have so far, you can go on over to a website known as surfaces.com. S-U-R-P-H-A-C-H-E-S surfaces.com, and uh, I'm in the process of doing a bunch of more of those e-learning as well as some others uh, that are doing e-learning uh, sessions there as well. So you may want to go over and, and take a look at that. So again, uh, you may want to go ahead and uh, check out my website, stoneforensics.com, with a lot of those articles that I mentioned are under the article section in the website. Uh, you may want to check out my product line, uh, Dr. Fred's Innovative Solutions. I do not sell directly unless you're a distributor. That's what I have uh, distributors for. Uh, and my distributors right now are ESP Sales, which you heard that ad before, uh, 10X and uh, BB Industries, which was uh, prior to that was Braxton, Braxton Bragg. So you can contact them for, for any of the products. But uh, all right, folks, uh, since we have no, no questions, I'm going to wish everybody a happy new year. Stay tuned uh, this year for a lot of great interviews. I've got a lot of great ones coming up. So folks, thanks for listening. Until next time, keep setting those tiles, polishing that stone, fabricating those tops. Later, my friends. Are you tired of lugging dozens of stain removal chemicals around to remove stains from stone, tile, or concrete? Did you know you only need three chemicals to remove almost any stain? From organic stains to inorganic stains, Dr. Fred's Ultimate Stain Removal Kit is all you need. The kit contains three reagents and includes a detailed ebook on how to remove almost any stain. So if you're trying to remove difficult ink or rust or simply coffee and other food stains, this kit is all you need. To order, contact Dr. Fred at 321-514-6845. One kit is $69.95 plus shipping.